John 15, 18 through 25. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would not love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all this they will do to you on my account, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one did, they would not have sin. But they have seen and hated both me and my father. It is to fulfill the word that is written in the law. They hated me without a cause. Thank you for the reading. Appreciate it. We read that, uh, we read that part of uh, John 15 that sometimes doesn't get read. And so we'll, uh, we'll end up back there in a minute. I want to say just a, a little bit about our uh, service last Sunday uh, when, um, when Ben talked about us getting together uh, somewhere outside of here and getting down to a place where it would be, uh, clo- we'd be close to one another. It sounded like one of those things that might happen. And uh, he stayed with it like a dog on a biscuit and... Uh, and just stayed with it and stayed with it until it happened. It was just a wonderful time. And I, and I wanted to uh, tell you that this past week, I got a chance to spend an hour um, in a class of about singing, singing new songs for the church. And one of the leaders of that was a guy named Randy Gill that you've studied with. Um, and it was just, just marvelous uh, to be a, a part of that. And one of the things I want to remind you is that one of the things I learned from uh, taking care of my mom and dad when they were declining was that uh, what you remember when you don't remember anything else is the songs you sang in church. Um, my mom didn't remember very much, but when she was in church, my dad would be searching for the song numbers, but my mom, they were right there. And she could sing the songs. And one of the things that we do when we worship is that we store up language for praising God in parts of our brain, in parts of our mind that that are are different from the the ways that that our mind handles tax audits and and those other kinds of pleasurable things. Uh, It is... Marvelous. So when we come by, it talks about uh, in giving that you lay by uh, uh, every Sunday. You you lay you lay by. You 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 put some money aside every Sunday for the sake of the Lord. But but in our worship, we are we are making deposits of worship into the very fabric of our heart and mind. So uh, you won't remember the sermons. You'll sing the songs. And it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. And uh, I wanted to bring you greetings from uh, Carl and Kaylee Ife. You saw their pictures. They love this church. They love you so much. Brandon Pierce now regards his time at UA as a kind of Christian utopian vision. Uh, 
And we knew it was. Uh, <laughs> but uh, his ministry at the Stamford, uh, Connecticut uh, Church of Christ is going very, very well. And uh, we heard him do a, a series where he, he talked about Reinhold Niebuhr, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And, and the point was you can be a minister and an academic. And he proved it. So that was good. And uh, Annette and I had lunch with uh, Jenna Worrell on Friday. And she's doing very, very well. Very, very well. And then you come home and there's John chapter 15. And there can hardly be a better place to be on a day when you're remembering your uh, LFC students who've been here and are graduating and moving away. There's, there's hardly a better place to be in the text when you're trying to be a church in central Austin. Because John chapter 15 is about how we are connected to Jesus Christ in love. And that in being connected to Jesus Christ in love, we have moved out of the false love of the world and into the authentic love of God in Jesus Christ. Now, usually when you preach... Uh, John chapter 15, you begin at the beginning and you get about, um, oh, say about uh, eight verses in and time is up. You get, you get the vine and the branches. And it's a great text. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. You remain in me and I remain in you. And you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's plenty to preach there. There's plenty to preach there that, that Jesus is this wonderful vine and, and we are the, the branches. But God is the, God is the gardener and, and the vine is going to get cut no matter what. The vine gets cut, the fruitless branches are cut off and thrown away. The fruitful branches are trimmed, are pruned so they'll be more fruitful. But, but every branch feels the edge of the gardener. 
And when people are going through various kinds of trials, various kinds of ups and downs, it's almost as if you get to choose what you want the edge of reality to be for you. Do you want it to be a blade that makes you more fruitful? Or do you want it to be a blade that disconnects you from the father, the gardener? It's almost like we have a choice about whether the pruning, clipping work of God makes us better or makes us bitter, disconnected, discarded. And so we we hear that. And and then we we hear that Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And when I was growing up, which I still think I am, I saw the the vine, but I, I really read, I'm the trunk. I'm the trunk and you are the branches. Which is not what Jesus says at all. Jesus says, I'm the whole vine. I'm the vine. When you look at the vine, I'm all of it. And you are the branches in me. I have shared my life with you. So now the the actual comprehensive picture of the Christ in the world includes me and you in me and me in you. We are together in this. And so when you think of the body of Christ, the church, you can think of it in terms of kind of a a building. You can think of it as a temple. You can think of it as a body. But you can also think of it as this, this plant that is rooted deeply in the plans and the work of God that grows up into the world. And it is Christ and it is the men and the women who are a part of Christ all together in the world. And that we bear fruit, and he says, uh, fruit that will last in this text. And, and so when we, when we think about some of the things we're doing in this strategic op thing, this, this, this consultancy, uh, one of the things that, that, that has occurred to me in all of this is that, that we are just trying to, to, to trim some of the, 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 the deadness out of us and we're trying to become more vital and, and more, more capable of engaging with people. We are trying to be a more fruitful vine in the world, in this place. I, I love it when... Uh, the good doctor and Nan Alsup are out accosting the plants in the front of the building. Uh, over the year, they get a little, little fuzzy, and and there comes a day, there comes a day when Nan and her friends attack the uh, the plants, and they are suddenly all trimmed back, all trimmed back, and lovely. And wonderful, and and this this year we even got Marvin and Art out there, right, Marvin? You got out there and and afflicted some big stuff, and, and it's a matter of, of of trimming things back so it could be more effective and more fruitful, and we're doing that in in so many ways in the life of this church. So we could preach the beginning of John chapter 15, and it'd be great to do that. And uh, if the last uh, four minutes make that sermon for you, then well, you're done. But don't leave yet. Don't leave yet because we want to talk about the juice, the sap. We want to talk about what's in the vine.
It's making it so good. And just to cut right to whatever chase there might have been, the vine is full of the love of God. The vine is full of the love of God. The other day, some kind of conversation, we were trying to think of all the things that had good sap in them. You know, a, a tree that can make maple syrup. Some of us remember that you could pull a dandelion and run your hand down the stem and there would be this glob of white little liquid at the end. And when we were little, we would eat it. Nobody told us not to, so we did. But if you think about what's in the vine and you, and you read this um, beginning in verse 9... As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I learned from my, what I learned from my father, everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I've chosen you. I've appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. The love and the joy of God is now shared in the world. Uh, sometime back, I was talking to, to Natalie, the ubiquitous Natalie. There is a Natalie that's in the LFC. And there's a, a Natalie that shows up on Wednesday uh, nights. And there's a Natalie. Well, it's all the same Natalie. And, and really, she's not here today, so aren't you just kind of tired of Natalie? I mean, really. No, we're not. We're not. But I was asking Natalie, I said, Natalie, what, what do you think the people in the LFC want to hear when somebody preaches, maybe like me? What, what do you think they want to hear? And she said, I don't think we can hear enough. I don't think the students on the campus can hear enough that God loves them. Really? That's, that's, that's the big message, huh? That's the big message. But isn't it? Isn't, isn't that the message? Isn't that the message you need to hear? That God loves you with a great and indescribable love. That when God thinks about you, in whatever way God can smile, he smiles because of you. That he loves you. He adores you. God loves you. He sent his son. For God so loved 
us. For God so loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that he would come. And Jesus says that he loves us. I had a friend who was severely reprimanded at a church uh, inside Decatur, Texas many years ago. And I don't know which one it was. There's several there. If you want to forget that it's in Decatur, Texas, that's fine. But um, one of the deacons came boiling up to him and he said, we need to get back to sound doctrine and get away from this grace and love garbage. And, and, And when he was telling 20 of us um, who were ministers in the room, we all knew what he, what he meant. And we all knew that he wasn't about to do that. <laughs> he was about to give people doctrine in the context of the love and mercy of God. He was about to give people the, the, what the general structure can be in the life of a church in the context of the love and mercy of God. But nothing makes sense about God. Nothing makes sense about Jesus if you don't know that he loves you. And, and that not only does he, he love you, but But here in John 15, he says, the love that is in the Father and the love that is in me is now going to flow into you. Sharp, you're a sap. But by God's grace, I hope my sap is the same sap that's in Jesus and the same sap that is in God. That we are a vine filled with the sap of the love of God. That what is in us, what is in you, is this great unifying love of God. And that what we are trying to show to the world is that we are a people filled with the love of God. And that we want to do that in very tangible ways. Because the love of God does not want to be a theory in you. It wants to be a practical reality in us. So, um, when my dear and good friend stands here and says, we need some people to be out on the street to help our folks who are trying to get to our worship find their way. You might think, well, Chris, someone needs to do that. But I want you to know, someone doesn't go to church here. Someone is somewhere else. I don't, I don't know where that where it goes, but someone somewhere else. And, and, and we had... We had, a, we had a trial of this the other day. The other day when we were having the Munger Scout Festival Sunday. It was great. It was a cold day. But Brother James put some of the scouts out on the sidewalk. And when people would come in, they'd look in there and go, scout person. 
they would, they would come out and they would tell them how to get to the garage and they would, they would help do that. They were doing good scout work. So, uh, Sammy, you tell, you tell Zach that we talked about him, okay? okay? But it was so great that suddenly the thing that we are trying to do with inanimate signs that are, that are tent signs, we were suddenly trying to do with what is inanimate with somebody that was smiling and excited and animated and human. And in that, on that particular day, it was so rich, people probably felt a little loved from the first turn into University Avenue. That's a thing. That's a thing. Some of you, you get up and you go down to help with children's worship because of the love of God. It's not coercion unless you want to be compelled by the love of God. That's a great thing. We have these opportunities. Who wants to go on a mission trip? Is this to, is this to Harding or to, it's, it's the Harding trip. Okay, we have this 24-year-old youth minister. You need to explain this, you see. And so the 24-year-old youth minister cannot drive a rented van unless it has training wheels. And so someone compelled by the love of Christ, moved by the sap in the vine, the sap that comes out of God and out of the Lord Jesus, someone is going to go, well, I can't think of anything I'd rather do in the summer than to go with our best people in a van to Searcy, Arkansas because some of what they are getting is going to just slop over onto me. And when we get back, I'll know them. We'll be connected for the rest of our lives. For the rest of our lives. We'll talk about the trip. It's not bad. It's not bad. And so we have this opportunity to live in love. And it is vibrant. It is filled with obedience. Obeying the command. Remember what the command is? The command is love one another. Remember the command? Love one another. Oh, by the way, you know we talk about the, the great commandments. The two great commandments. Love God and love others. You know what God's two great commandments are? God has two great commandments. Love you and love everybody else. Those are his two great commandments. Love you and love everybody else. Well, what about me? Yeah, it's you too. Love you and love everybody else. The two great commandments of God. And then he just shared those with us. Love, love God and love everybody else. It's pretty simple. Now the third little part of this sermon is a, a, a short part because we don't give hate as much room as we give love. 
But Jesus says, if you were to decide not to love me and to go into the world, the world would love you. I think there's a little sidebar there that says the, the world would love you with the love the world knows how to use, which is predatory, disgraceful, demeaning, draining, and ultimately deadening. But when you, if you show up in the world to be loved by the world, the love's going to throw you a little party. He says, and if you don't go there, but you live in the vine, if you're living filled with the sap of the love of God, if you're obeying my commandment, which is to love one another, don't be surprised if the world around you hates you some. Because they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it that you are kind. They don't get it that you don't return vengeance. They don't get it that you are this kind of a person marked by Jesus. They don't get it and it's offensive and you are committed to Jesus and, and you are not committed to the myriads of false gods that are in the world. You are a, a Jesus person. You're a Jesus person. You're a Jesus person. He says, you know that if they hate me, they're likely to hate you. I'm your teacher. I'm your example. I'm your guide. And they're going to see this night. They're going to see this night. The very night that he's saying this. In just a few hours, they're going to see how the world hates him. The mob is going to come. Judas is going to kiss him. They're gonna, he's going to be on trial. His back will be opened by lashes before midnight. They'll know. They'll know the hate. They'll see it poured out on their teacher. They will hear that the student's not above the teacher and that the world hates me, it's probably going to hate you. But the fact that the world can hate you should not deter you from wanting to be filled with the love of God in Christ. What, what, if, what if that was the great thing that we wanted to distinguish us in the world as a church? That we spent all of our time trying to figure out how to live in the love of God and share the love of God. That that is our life as the vine. To be the vine, to live as the vine, and to bear fruit as the vine. And that's all we think about. That's all we think about. Because of the love of God that flows in us. This morning, if you are in Christ, but somehow you've forgotten that you are to be filled with the love of God, 
of Christ or if, if, if somehow you think that there's something more important than that that you would be filled with, let me just encourage you that there is no greater content of the human heart than the love of God. And if you're not in Christ and you just wonder about this Jesus, is he for you? Is Jesus for you? Does Jesus love you? Would these church people, would they be for me? Then, then know that Jesus loves you. And he would love to take you and wrap you in his arms and, and feel your faith in him grow. He would love to hear his name on your lips. He would love to know that your life has changed. He would love to wrap his arms around you and take you into the water of baptism and just embrace you there in his love and wash you in his blood and raise you to live a new life. He would love to take his sweet and holy spirit and place it in your life as a declaration of his undying love.